Thanks to Indeed for supporting my podcast, The Apple Bits XL. This episode is sponsored by Indeed, and Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. You can post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash applebits. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And this episode is also sponsored by ExpressVPN. Creating a secure tunnel between all of your devices and the internet so that everything you do online is encrypted. ExpressVPN blocks your internet provider from seeing everything that you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash applebits to get three extra months of ExpressVPN protection for free. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Applebits XL. Brian Tong here, a.k.a. BTZ. Doing it nice, slow, and easy. Welcome, everybody, for the good, the bad, the so-so. Everything inside the world of Apple, we are here. For those of you that are new to the show, welcome. This is where we talk about all the latest and greatest and really the biggest news that happens to Apple and the greater world of tech. So welcome, and for all of you who have been with me from the start, from early on, from way, way, way back in the day, thank you so much for coming out, and it's always a good time to hang out and talk tech talk apple and there's a lot of things going on um before we get to our show first we got to hit a few pieces of business i'd like to say look you guys and gals came out strong with the calls and i've been saving a few up also as well but you are a part of this show so all you got to do to really continue this and i love the flavored ads is record a voice memo send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com That's Apple Bits with a Z. And then tell me what you want to talk about, whether it's a good Apple, bad Apple, your comments, your opinions. Maybe you disagree with something I said. We throw it all out there. Put your name, your number, where you're from. And all you got to do is send along to applebitsshow at gmail.com. This is kind of a different kind of episode because the second half of our show is going to have a... We actually had a lot of great calls. I only had to get rid of a few just because of the length. And sometimes the signal is that bad. But uh, y'all are awesome. So stick around for that. Also... This show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support it really quickly. If you support my show and content, starting at $2 per month, goes up to $5, which is a cup of coffee, 10 the 25 the $100 platinum Apple level. You get early access to content, just like I did with my recent AirTags review that I dropped. We're going to talk about that. You get uh, bonuses at different levels and a completely ad-free version of this show, plus... This month, because things happened last month, we're doing two of the Zoom live one-hour hangout sessions. We just did one yesterday. It was really fun, and uh, it it keeps on rolling. More and more new faces show up, and uh, it's kind of like it's cool because we keep it off the record, but it's really fun. We don't record any of this stuff, and it's kind of a a mutual understanding. So if you can support all my content and be a part of it, patreon.com slash Tong is how you do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so let's get into the show, and we're going to start off I just dropped uh, my AirTags full review. And then the difference that I did with it here is that I did a comparison. Like I really wanted to, I thought that it was too easy to just be like, oh, it has precision finding. Oh, these are cool. I'm going to use these. And I felt like no offense, not hating on anybody, but a lot of people just did that. They didn't go the extra mile. So I decided to get four AirTags get four tile pro tags. And then I went into the wild into four completely different types of places, dropped the tags kind of near each other, and then decided to see 
Does the Tile Network pick up on them? Does the Apple Network, the Find My Network, find the AirTags? Who does it faster? Who does it better? What's the Which system is more effective at getting your lost tags or items back to you? So that's what that whole review is about. I mean, it's a long one. It's in-depth. I went out on, you know, with COVID being kind of a little different. Um, we left, obviously, the confines of my, uh, I guess, studio. It's always a room that keeps on changing. And then, um, you know, kind of put something fun together, but it was different. And I think that ultimately last week we had a review where I talked to Ray Wong about AirTags and we had pretty much similar thoughts about them. But once I really stacked them up to Tile, um, bottom line, Tile is a superior product, whether you're in the ecosystem or not. To me, the only barrier of entry with Tile is just getting the app and trusting that they're taking care of your information. And it's a lot more difficult for someone like my mom and my dad who literally, if they buy AirTags, they open up the box, it pairs with them, they can set it up, literally three presses on the screen, nothing more, and they're good to go. And that matters, and that's why the ecosystem is so strong, and that's why I'm getting them AirTags and not Tile. But, you know, watch the video. I'd love to hear what you all think about it. But Tile is, a you know, Quite honestly, I'd always known about Tile. I had a generic Tile from like one of the earlier ones. And then I was like, ah, it's, it's all right. But they've done a lot over the years. And I think in a weird way, it's actually brought more attention to them um, and this whole entire industry. So, you know, Apple's going to take a big chunk of those Bluetooth trackers. But I think that as people figure this out, until Apple adds more features, um, it might actually help Tile. I'm not saying it's going to be a huge bump, but I think it might help them a little bit as well. I think all boats will rise with the tide uh, because there's a lot of attention around trackers. So check out that video is really fun to do. And I think that another part of it, I mean, I'm not going to, I guess I can just spoil some of it. What's surprising is that Apple touts that they have one, nearly 1 billion devices uh, out there that can access the Find My Network. And the key thing is those are any devices with iOS 13 and higher. Whereas Tile touts that, hey, they have 26 million devices tile tracking devices but that doesn't mean that those are all actively seeking things out that really for tile it's about their phones how many people have the app running on their phones so in the la area i covered quite a expansive area i went from burbank to studio city uh went to a hike hiking trail up in the mountains and then also to santa monica beach so i really wanted to cover a wide range of areas and first of all both systems found the tagged items but Tile found them faster than Apple, which surprised me. Like Tile detected them faster than Apple. And then also Apple had some issues with notifying me at the right time. But ultimately, I think you should watch it because sure, you might be able to know where your item is or if someone has it in their possession, but it doesn't mean that you're gonna be able to get it back that easily. And that's kind of some of the stuff that I cover. So just one note from my review that I think is actually really important for you all to know I talked about how Apple's Find My Network uh, runs on iOS 13 or higher. So that means someone who's running iOS 13 on their phone, if they come across an AirTag, it'll at least be able to see it within the network and then tell you, oh, it's in this location. The thing is that, let's say you put a tag, I'm not telling you to do this, first of all, but let's say you are a nefarious bad guy. Let's say you're a bad apple in life and you decide to, oh, I'm gonna put a tracking tag on someone. If that person is running iOS 13, they will not be, or higher, 
other than iOS 14.5, they will not be able to get that notification that, oh, there's a AirTag moving with you that's not yours. You have to upgrade to iOS 14.5 if you can on the device that you have. And it does cover a wide range of phones. I, I can't remember how far back it goes. Um, definitely iPhone SE 2, maybe maybe back as far back as um, iOS, maybe as far back as the iPhone 8. I'll have to check. I don't know this off the top of my head. Maybe you all can check. But in order for you to be able to ch- to track someone who has an AirTag on you that is not yours, you got to upgrade to iOS 14.5. That's really important to know. So just a, just a little quick tip out there. But anyways, watch the review, check it out, and maybe you have some comments. I'd love to hear back from you. If you want to, call in uh, AppleBitsShow, record a voice memo at gmail.com, AppleBitsShow at gmail.com, and send it along. Okay, so we got that out of the way. You know, we were talking about the network of, this is the point that I forgot to actually hit. We were talking about how Tile's network found faster than the Apple's Find My Network, the four tags that got loose. Well, Amazon just announced that they're actually teaming up with Tile as well to be a part of their Amazon Sidewalk network. This is kind of their own Bluetooth device network that helps improve their own connectivity devices. So this would, things that live in this ecosystem for Amazon would be uh, the Ring or something like the Amazon Echo. Well, Tile and them are also now partnering, partnering, can I speak English, to be a part of that network. So I kind of think it helps expand Tile's reach And again, Apple does have nearly 1 billion devices. And I think in LA, it's going to be a little different than maybe if you're in a more spread out area where it's not as densely populated, where, yeah, more people might have iPhones and access to the Find My Network than they do to the Tile Network. But every situation is different. I thought it was really lazy. There is an outlet that I'm not going to name, and it's no, it's not my former employer. (laughs) But there's an outlet that I won't name. And they were really lazy about this because they had this headline, Apple... Find My Network finds AirTag in 30 minutes. Tile tag takes something like seven hours. And I I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of crazy. This is after I'd put up my review. And they had tested it. They just basically dropped a tile and an AirTag in one spot in a densely populated city. And that was their assessment, just using one tag. And then they made a whole headline about that. That is trash journalism, quite honestly. That's trash reporting. That's your... That's your slice, your what's representative of the entire general area and to tout it and go for the clickbait stuff. I'm not down with that. That was one example in one location. They didn't even put out two tags because they're cheap and they're weak. I, I hate I hate stuff like that because I think it hurts the overall. It's not fair to to both companies, quite honestly, but it does serve Apple's narrative of one billion devices. And then also, I guess it makes sense because they are a outlet that focuses more on Apple stuff, but I, I'm, I'm not down with that. So I don't know why I had to get that off my chest, but I, I thought it was not, it was not cool. Like, that's a bad Apple. That was definitely a bad Apple. All right, so let's get to the other stories that happened this week. There's a, uh, we got a good cluster of, I mean, some juicy stuff, some not so juicy stuff, but I think the biggest story that just dropped in, I was working on my review all week, but our buddy, our friend, Apple leaker John Prosser announced um, and put on his most recent video at Front Page Tech that Apple's upcoming MacBook Air release will feature new colors, similar colors to what we've seen from the 24-inch iMac. And that's really interesting because 
I know in the tech world how polarizing that iMac still is from design-wise, from colors, and I, I just, I I still think it looks really good. And I'm a color person, so that's why I love it as well. But according to Prosser, like this is the same source that gave him some of his first info on Apple Silicon iMacs coming in colors. According to him, he's actually seen images of what these MacBook Airs look like. And the assumption is that they might be even powered by the M2 chip. So this is, again, kind of going back to the history, the lineage of Apple, right? We had the uh, iBook G3s that came in some of the different colors, not a ton of colors, but a good amount. I think there was, at least there was graphite, blue, green. I feel like there was orange as well. Um, There was a few. I can't remember if there was purple off the top of my head. Um, But I remember those kind of nice, those clamshell looking guys. Ooh, I I had the... I had the, I guess, I can't remember exactly what the model was called, but I had the graphite one. It had the fastest processor. I actually edited some of my first videos um, on that Mac. Anyways, MacBook Airs will be coming sometime this year. And according to this report, they could be colored. Also, if you kind of add on other reports that are out there, Ming-Chi Kuo said that maybe there'll be a future low-end portable Mac that'll feature a mini LED display. We don't know if that's true. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but it could be out there. Also, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, a while back, he also said that Apple's not only working on a MacBook Air, but a newer, thinner, and lighter MacBook Air. So could you, I mean, if this is the year of the Mac, we're talking about thinner iMacs in colors with a M1 processor, are they really going to put an M2 in a MacBook Air? I feel like they'd play it safe and maybe maybe there's some like step in between like it's the M1X. I don't know. This is all again speculation. All all we've heard really that makes the most sense and does dovetail to what we've seen already from Apple this year is that colors could be coming and according to Prosser are coming to the new MacBook Airs that are coming this year in 2021. Now no one else has reported that colors are coming. But Prosser said he's seen them. He even told me that they'll be putting some renders out of them. So keep your eyes out on that. I love this idea of Apple really kind of like separating their product line now from consumer being colorful and then the uh, pro line. I guess, I guess we'll call it the pro line being, you know, the classy silvers and space grays and maybe some, you know, some of those navies and golds I, I li- and metallics. I like I like where we're going here. Now, new rumor report citing sources from the music industry outlet Hits Double Daily claims that Apple is potentially preparing to release the third generation AirPods in the next coming weeks. And if you look at the calendar, well, that would probably be WWDC. I mean, we don't have much time until June 7th. It doesn't make sense to announce new products when we have iMacs and iPad Pros actually releasing into people's hands on May 21st. So maybe this is pushed to June 7th. But what is also interesting is that Apple will reportedly be preparing to launch a new hi-fi Apple Music tier alongside of the release of these third-generation AirPods. The report says that this new tier will have the hi-fi or high fidelity music streaming. So you got services like Tidal that's doing things like that. Um, Amazon's uh, 
I forgot what their higher tier music service is called, but they're also doing similar things. For Apple, it will still cost the same as part of their $9.99 monthly subscription, at least according to the report. So we know that Spotify has also told us that they're going to be upgrading their quality to hi-fi sometime later this year. Uh, We don't know exactly when. So obviously the technology, the compression, and the bandwidth is at a point where now all these services are jumping on the hi-fi tip, which is great. And at the same time, I think it does hurt Tidal and people who might have been still flirting with the idea of whether they're going to jump to title or even bounce between title and others, they they may not feel the need to. So we'll see how much hi-fi content is going to be available, but the assumption is that it's going to be a majority of the library or a good amount of it. So third generation AirPods, what we've heard about them for a long time is that they're expected to have a design that's going to be similar to kind of like the AirPods Pro, but lack features like active noise cancellation um and then also i believe the whole rubberized rubber rubberized ear tips were have been rumored to not be a part of this third generation airpods as well so we'll see what happens i think the knockoffs we talked about they're already in china like people have actually made knockoff third gen airpods um so they should probably be coming pretty soon i i can't remember who it was i think someone ordered a pair from china recently just to just to show us what they look like now this is exciting news this next story i love this you know me uh, i've been asking for apple to do something to kind of make another leap with the apple watch still a great product still an amazing product and still so much more potential that it can um that can be untapped with it well according to the latest report here apple watch is likely to gain blood pressure blood glucose and blood alcohol monitoring This is courtesy of British electronic startup, Rockley Photonics. Now, how this came about is that Apple was recently revealed by Rockley Photonics to be one of their partners and really their largest customer because they have developed a non-invasive optical sensor for detecting multiple things like blood-related health metrics. And these include blood pressure, blood glucose, blood alcohol levels, and normally These are invasive, the only way to kind of detect some of these things are through invasive procedures or, you know, getting pricked by a needle to analyze your blood. Well, Rockley's Photonics, Rockley Photonics specializes specifically in optical sensors that detect this. So much like what we have on the bottom of the Apple Watch or the current generation from at least as far back, I believe, is that as the four, five, six, or at least the five and six, there's that infrared light. And so what it would do is it would shine through a user's skin, and then be able to kind of pull that information. Right now, the sensors are pulling heart rate and blood oxygen levels, but not blood pressure, not blood glucose, and not blood alcohol levels. Now, think about when you when you go with that triple threat, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, then if they're even able to do all three, I don't know. I, don't, I, I could imagine they're not going to launch all three right away. But talk about jam-packed health sensors everywhere on this apple watch and i don't i don't know if it's coming this year my my suspicion would be since they're going public since they're announcing that apple's one of their partners my hunch is that this wouldn't be for the series 7 watch my hunch is that maybe we see more of these sensors in the series 8 we quite maybe we see one of these sensors in the apple watch series 7 you know we've heard all the reports that it would potentially be getting blood glucose monitoring in a non-invasive way and 
it may not I don't know how accurate it's going to be. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that it's going to be more accurate than an invasive blood sugar level monitoring system, but if it can still get you decently within the ballpark to detect peaks and spikes in your blood sugar, that can help you and it, you know, it doesn't have to be like exact exact, but more than more than good uh high level good enough but not exact i think i think that that's a good sign and so we'll see what happens with the apple watch series 7 i mean i'm excited for it i'm ready to upgrade i some people noticed that i was watching a red series 6 apple watch in my um air tags video when i was out in the field and i actually have had it in a drawer forever right i bought it for review um i thought maybe sometimes i hold on to these things hoping like oh maybe something will change i mean Things haven't changed much since the four or the five and now the six, but nothing really happened. And so that has been there. And I, I have like kind of a more athletic strap on it. So I was going out for the day. We haven't gone out for how long, like really been out like that for a lot, like the year, like going to four or five different spots to do a lost and found test. And so I put it on and, and, uh, some people are like, Hey, you, you got a Apple watch series six, right? I'm like, I didn't even think about that because it's been in a drawer this whole time. So, um, I'm really excited to see what happens this year. I'm really hoping software-wise we get something good. But if we could even get blood glucose, that would be revolutionary for a smartwatch device just to even get that. And then maybe next year we add blood pressure and we add blood alcohol monitoring. And then all of a sudden this is a freak of nature for digital health. That's exciting. So, you know, we have a while back we had our, uh, we had our guest Doc Knock uh, jump on the show a couple times. Uh, did he do it twice? I know he did at least once. And so I'd love to have him back once this starts happening and just kind of see where we are going. It's pretty incredible. All right. Uh, no surprise. Nothing big here. But another recent report coming out from the Korean website, the Elec claims that Samsung will be the sole provider for the 120 hertz pro displays for iPhone 13 pro models. Um, again, it's a nice thing. We've used them on phones and we have it on the iPad pro. I don't think it makes that much difference for the iPhone yet. Uh, maybe there'll be some other ecosystem benefits, but it's good to get up to 120 Hertz, but it's still kind of funny to me that after all these years, it's like, oh, we're getting 120 Hertz, but we're only going to do it on the pros. Uh, we're, we're going to take our time with it. So, okay, that's fine. But you know, I think that if the iPhone 13 is a 120 hertz display, faster processor, a slightly smaller notch, better cameras, I mean, I'm I'm more curious what what zoom are we gonna get? What optical zoom are we gonna get in the iPhone 13? Because something tells me it's not gonna be any bigger than 3x. I think the iPhone 12 Pro's max optical zoom. I'm not talking about digital, where it you know it kind of approximates it and you know fakes the zoom it's not a true physical zoom i think it hits two and a half if i recall right so i mean are they even going to get to is is three going to be the most i don't i don't think they have the space to get to five but we'll see i think when you play with the samsung galaxy s21 ultra that is one of the most versatile cameras i've ever seen um there's also a phone i can't remember the name off the top of my head that has a macro focus on it that's really cool because if you're a creator, I think that allows some kind of cool opportunities for visuals and stuff. But uh, Apple does have a great camera. I'm not knocking up, but I, I need a better zoom. Like, I really, really need a better zoom, y'all. 
All right, what is a Apple Bits XL podcast without a story from Ming-Chi Kuo? He's always part of the mix. I mean, it's also part of his job to be part of the mix. Um, But Kuo recently reported this week that the iPad Mini 6 will be delayed until the second half of 2021. So there are a lot of hopes. People thought that we might see an iPad Mini at the most recent uh, spring-loaded event, but it's not coming, according to Kuo, until the second half of the year. It still looks like it's going to keep the same exact form factor that we're used to. Uh, There have been reports that the new iPad Mini is expected to feature an 8.4-inch display with some slimmer bezels and feature Touch ID and still lightning port. So we'll see. I, I don't, no one, there are no reports that are telling us that it's the iPad Mini that everyone wants, which is a design like the current iPad Pro lineup with a minimal bezel and Face ID. I still do like Touch ID, quite honestly, but uh, we'll see what happens here. But right now, and also no mini LED screen in this iPad Mini, at least what we know of for the most recent one. So iPad Mini 6 delayed until the second half of this year. The other product that, you know what, I think that it's really interesting to see how the Apple audience is so savvy now. I mean, you all are super smart. Yes, smarter than me. At times, at times, (laughs) a lot of times. But I just love how we're getting tired of hearing all these foldable iPhone stories. There's a recent one this week where Quo said, hey, it's going to be 2023 when Apple launches an eight inch foldable. And we've heard this forever. And I think I didn't, I was so busy with my head buried. Maybe everyone hit it hard, but I, I felt like I didn't get a lot of notifications about, oh, a new foldable phone in, in 2023 from Apple. And I, I feel it shows some restraint and discipline to keep on just chasing all the clicks. And quite honestly, I remember I did a video a long time ago about the foldable iPhone and people didn't really respond to it. Maybe it was timing or whatever, but it, I'm just, I just appreciate that we actually have some smart people in the building. But yeah, the latest report was that an eight, uh, an eight inch foldable in 2023 will, when, will be when Apple releases that model of an iPhone and no one really cared. <laughs> like I'll care when I see it because I still love the Z Fold 2 with a passion. I cannot wait to see the Z Fold 3. I, th- I think there were some leaks for uh, the Samsung Z Fold 3. So, but I mean, call me when you get a little closer. Like, let's let's really think this out. And I think one of the big kind of under the radar moves of this kind of new year, you know, we there had been a lot of hype around Apple's app tracking and how's it going to affect the advertising industry. Well, I'll tell you how it's, there's some new numbers that have come out. And according to analytics from Apple's app tracking transparency, It says, according to Flurry, Flurry is a firm that does this stuff, it suggests that the majority of iPhone users are leaving app tracking disabled. Um, If you go into your settings, there's like a little toggle switch that you can turn on to at least remind you and say, oh, hey, do you want this uh, app to track you? And you can then manually respond with no. But if you leave this off, which is it is off by default, it doesn't, apps don't track you. That, at least that's the understanding I have, right? When it's left off, they're not going to track you. So according to the report, roughly 96% of users leave app tracking disabled in iOS 14.5. And think about that. That is a huge chunk of users that are saying no to being tracked. And I think it also continues to build on that story to make Apple look really good when we're talking about privacy tracking. 
According to also data from Flurry, the firm Flurry that pulled this stuff up, if you look at the US, only 4% of iPhone users have actively chosen to opt into um, the app tracking to get that notification. And this is based on roughly sampling, they said about two and a half million daily mobile active users. So that, that's a good representation. Not one person on a street dropping two ta- location tags and, and making it a headline. That's bad. That just bugs me. But if you look at users worldwide for app tracking, the figure jumps from 4% to 12% of users. And that would be with a sample size of 5.3 million daily users. But uh, congratulations, Murica, 4%. You guys don't like to be tracked by apps. It, maybe there's some hope for humanity. Maybe we are smarter, <laughs> smarter than I think or than we think. I hope so. All right, everybody, let's take a break right now and give big thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. Now, I've been independent, and every decision that I make and hire, it matters. So hiring is just one of those things you do not want to mess up. You need to hire great people if you want to take your entire business to that next level. So with the stakes this high, there's only one choice, and that's Indeed. Now, let me tell you why. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. You can post, screen, and interview. You can do it all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, it gives you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately. There's also Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can also choose from more than 130 skills tests to add your own and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. That's Indeed dot com slash apple bits offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions apply and hold up let's also give another big thanks to our other sponsor expressvpn have you ever wondered why internet access is so much cheaper these days and i'm talking like 30 to 40 bucks a month well that's because internet service providers like comcast or at&t aren't just making money off subscription fees they're also making money from spying on your internet activity and then selling your history and data to big tech companies we care about that stuff right well our personal data is valuable so what's the best way to make sure that 100 of your data is encrypted and that your internet provider can't get a hold of it you guessed it express vpn ExpressVPN creates a secure tunnel between all your devices and the internet so that everything you do online is encrypted. It reroutes your connection through a secure server. This blocks your internet provider from seeing everything that you do online, and all they can see is that you're connected to an ExpressVPN server, but nothing beyond that. And it's not just for your phone or for your computer. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. It works on your tablets, smart TVs, even your routers, so your entire family can always stay protected. Now, ExpressVPN is really a simple, straightforward app. You just open it, it's one click, and then on the app, once you do that, you are protected. It can't get any easier to use, and I don't have to think about what it's doing to protect me. It's just doing it. 
Now, your data is your business. Protect it at expressvpn.com slash applebits. Visit expressvpn.com slash applebits to get three extra months of ExpressVPN protection for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash applebits to learn more. All right, so this is fun because I told you earlier in the show we have a ton of calls. So because those are all the big stories that happened this week and we have iPad Pro and new iMacs coming, we're going to jump into calls. And I got, I think, seven, seven, eight or nine calls, but they're all quick. Most of them are quick hitting and they bring up some great points. So we're going to get to that. But before we do that, I do want to bring up, you know, I love how you all participate and are actively, I feel like we're, we got like kind of this cool back and forth community vibe. So what I'd love to hear from you is that let's pretend I might have an opportunity to talk to someone at Apple regarding the new iPad Pros. So what I would like you to do is if you can, if you have a specific question about the iPad Pro that you'd like me to potentially ask Apple if I potentially have this opportunity to potentially talk to them. Um, I talked about the voice memos. Don't do that for these questions. Send them in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That is the same place where you send your voice memos. Just type in a quick question. Don't make it super long. And I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is do my best to, if I have the chance, ask Apple your questions on top of mine so that we can all be happy because quite honestly, I wouldn't be doing this if you all aren't supporting me. And so that's kind of the least way that I least the least I can do to be a bridge between um these product companies and you. If that's kind of the role that I can serve, I, I think that's really awesome. So thank you for your support. But again, if you have questions that if you had a chance to ask Apple about, specifically with the new iPad Pro, send them to applebitshow at gmail.com. Okay, so that's also happens to be the email where you send your voice memos. So let's get into this. We're gonna kind of do a little ping pong back and forth. And so let's start off with our first call coming to us from Trevor. Hey, Brian, just a quick review from Trevor from Arizona. Hey, got my AirTags yesterday. And bad Apple. Holy cow, bad Apple. Man, does, like, Apple not care about families anymore? Like, these AirTags, like, what garbage? So I turn them on. They work great. Okay, obviously, all the reviewers, they're like, yeah, they work. They're AirTags. They turn on. Except you can't use it as a, in a family at all. So first AirTag, I was like, great, got a pack of four. Going to put it in my kid's backpack because we lose that freaking backpack all the time because, you know, he's a kid and he doesn't have it together, right? But me, as an adult, I don't worry about my stuff, you know? But that's okay. Just whatever. So some adults can. Anyway, so lo- load up the AirTag and then I go on my wife's phone and she's like, well, I can't see the AirTag. Well, why can't you see the AirTag? We're on the same family share account. We can see everything else. I can see my wife's I can see my wife's ear pods. I can see my wife's watch. I can see my wife's phone and her computer. Why wouldn't she be able to see my AirTag? Because she can see everything else Apple about me. But no, AirTags don't family share. So what's the point? It's ridiculous. We, we both share getting ready for the kid in the morning, right? Some days she does it. Some days I do it, which means... We both need to be able to find the backpack sometimes. So it's pretty pointless if we have to use two AirTags. I'm not going to put $50 worth of AirTags in my six-year-old backpack to take to elementary school. So fail, Apple. Until you fix that problem, these, these things are worthless to me. Same thing with keys. 
I don't have my own set of keys. We keep one set of keys per vehicle because we share vehicles. So if I need to find the keys, but my wife put them somewhere or she needs to find the keys because I put them somewhere, it doesn't make any sense. Now, it doesn't. So I'm not going to put two air tags on the set of keys so we both can find them on our iPhone because you can only track it on one iPhone. Completely ridiculous. Completely useless. Fix it, Apple. Bad Apple. Ooh, okay. That that is one way to start it, Trevor. Because uh, you you were you were coming out guns blazing. You're ready to blow this whole thing up. You're just like, nah, I ain't having it. And you make you make completely 100 valid points for the Family Man. I think uh, if you watch my review, it's one of the things that I pointed out specifically that there's no family share and they there's no reason actually they have the system in place. Uh, even Tile for people that don't know, you just basically send an email to someone and say hey you can share my towel with me and 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 that's it so uh there definitely needs to be work to be done and again watch my review and i think you'll be surprised by how much more sophisticated quite honestly tile might be a better answer for you and your wife and i would say that whether you're in the ecosystem or not it doesn't really hurt i i found him to work very 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 well so it's just something to explore and consider there's so many more features in um you know, specifics about the tile tags that they have that Apple doesn't yet. So look into it. I think it's definitely worth looking into. Okay, next up, we got Archie. Hi, Brian. This is Archie from Boca Raton, Florida. And my comment is on the quote-unquote update uh, to the Magic Keyboard for iPad. I was disappointed to see that the update is only a new color. Uh, I was hoping that they would make a change to that keyboard so that the iPad could be mounted vertically. Uh, vertical orientation is one of the things that differentiates the iPad experience from a laptop. I like to type with my iPad vertical so I can see more of the document that I'm working on. Uh, when they moved the smart connector from the edge to the back for the third gen pro, I figured this would allow a smart connector keyboard to work with both orientations, but uh, that hasn't materialized yet. So for me personally, bad apple. I'll just be hanging on to my second gen iPad pro for a while longer with my no-name Bluetooth keyboard. <laughs> Everyone is coming out guns blazing. Bad Apple here. Bad Apple here. Fail Apple there. No, Archie, you know what? I think if you... The reality is that part of Apple's problem is that the way that their Magic Keyboard case is made, it's so uh, rigid that you can't even flip the cover all the way around. So anyone like completely flip the cover to the back. And so anyone who wants to use an iPad like an easel for drawing or writing or just for reading um, and holding in that vertical position, the current Magic Keyboard case for the iPad Pro is not the answer. Uh, so that's why, partially why I tried it out. I used it. It was amazing when I was on the road. We don't. I'm not on the road anymore, and I returned it, and I just kind of kept the flat, low profiles so I can sit back and read it like kind of like a magazine and lay down on the ground and just kind of use it in all these different ways. So I hear you. I don't think, in the foreseeable future, Apple is going to make any type of uh, case that has a keyboard that flips all the way back. I mean, I guess they they do have their folio, but it's, you know, to to be as rigid and as sturdy as a Magic Keyboard and then rotate all the way in the back, um, it's not in the cards. Maybe they surprise us in a few years, but we, we pretty much know this is the blueprint that they're going for. They slightly changed the iPad Pro's Magic Keyboard by 0.5 millimeters, but kept everything exactly the same up to our knowledge for this year's generation. So that tells me that this is a form factor that they are sticking with for the long haul. All right, next up, Jordan, you want to talk about something kind of in the same? 
Hey, Brian. Jordan from Columbus calling in. And uh, I got to say that new M1 iMac really makes me think floating stationary iPad. Just wanted to give you a little tease on uh, <laughs> a throwback tease, I guess. But they look really good. I think they'll look great in many people's homes. And the general person who's buying them, I think they're going to look great with those white bezels and those fun colors. I think us techie people get a little too involved on details that don't really matter to most people. The new M1 iPad looks cool, I guess, but it's still the same iPad we've always had with more power, even though we've had a ton of power in those iPads. So I hope I hope this year's the year, but I feel like a broken record. I've been saying that over and over and over. And uh, I guess... I got my AirTags in, and I like them so far for the price. They seem to be doing exactly what I'd want them to do. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Jordan, I love that. So for people that don't remember when um, the first time the iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard came out and Ray Wong was our guest, I kept on touting how I love the idea of it so much, and I kept on saying, but it's a freaking portable floating iMac. And I kept on doing that, and I kept on doing that. So now we have, it's a portable stationary iPad. <laughs> Damn, Jordan, that's funny. That is funny. So um, love your points here. Completely in agreement. And like you, I am going to hope for the best when it comes to the iPad Pro at WWDC. Now, you had some iMac uh, comments, and I talked about how People are really on one side or the other. So, hey, this is perfect. Chris wanted to talk about the iMac as well. Hey, Brian, this is Chris in North Kakulak. Hey, I listened to your um, review of the new iMac, and I, I normally agree with everything you say, but I have to disagree with you on this one, man. Um, I am very disappointed with this new iMac. Um, I have about a 2013 iMac 27-incher. And I was looking for, uh, I really want to upgrade it to a new iMac, but a 24-inch, not going to happen. And not to mention, this thing is butt ugly, man. Who cares if it's thin or not? I just want something with a lot of storage. I want something with power. Yeah, they gave us a good new chip, but this thing is just not going to cut it. A 24-inch, that's my only option. I think I'm going to hold out for the rumored um, larger screen. I was hoping they would introduce that this time but any idea when a larger screen iMac uh, might come out because I'm limping along with this one now mostly do uh, just a lot of you know net surfing I do some I do a lot of photo editing in Lightroom on there and looking for something to upgrade my iMac but this new one isn't just not it thanks all right Chris so I think you know you will have to be patient it sounds like if I had to guess if they do launch an M2 processor this year, which we're pretty much, let's say 99.9% .9 sure they will because they will be featuring it in other machines. I have got to imagine that this idea that we're all holding on to, many people are holding on to, of a iMac Pro with the larger rumored 30-inch plus size screen that we've read about, and who knows if it's going to have a chin or not, who knows how thin it's going to be, um, but I'm, I, I got to imagine that it's coming this year in especially to line, align with the new M2 chip. So I know, I think a lot, you know, when I heard you talking about it, it reminds me, and I think a lot of people, it's kind of funny sometimes to me that 
they were frustrated because they wanted Apple to give them something that they wanted that they wanted to buy on the spot. And I think a lot of people are like, I'm not going to buy that. And there are a lot of people that said, damn, I love that. But the people that were turned off by this kind of new design, the new colors were very vocal about it as well. So, um, you know, I, could, I see it both ways. But the fact is, if this was the only iMac that was out, um, then I could see how it could be frustrating. And yeah, you, you want to get it sooner rather than later. But let's wait this thing out and and then kind of give the final judgment on the whole IMAX story for 2021. I, th- I think we've got we've got more coming, all right? Okay, next up, we've got Brad. So take it away, sir. Hey, Brian. This is Brad from Indianapolis. I thought the event was definitely a 9.5. I was really impressed with all the products. Um, been looking to upgrade my original iPad Pro from 2015 for a while, but the 2020 version I thought was definitely lacking. Uh, was really hoping for that mini LED, and I'm really excited to see that come out with the M1 uh, chip in it as well. You implied in your YouTube video that you thought they might reply or might launch another iPad Pro at WWDC, or were you just talking about maybe new software that would be additions to uh, this new hyped-up iPad? So um, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that. Um, I think I'm probably going to pull the trigger, get this new one. I'm pretty excited about it. Take care and love the show. All right. Thank you, Brad, for calling in. Um, So here's the thing. What I was referencing is not, and you got it right, not a new iPad Pro model, but specifically, if you're going to now throw an M1 into an iPad, if you're going to give it a two terabyte storage option, and what we found out later is that if you upgrade your storage to either the one terabyte or two terabyte size, that instead of eight gigs of RAM, it's coming with 16 gigs of RAM, I can't believe that if you're giving all of that into an iPad Pro that it's going to run the exact same apps that it did for the past three or four years. You know, to me, that's and and you put a Thunderbolt port on it as well that can go to an external monitor that is telling me this is a device that is going to evolve. Now, if everything stays the same, oh, you know, I'm gonna throw a bad Apple. I'm gonna throw a bunch out. But um, that's what I'm waiting for. I think you don't release a product like this with WWDC coming out a month later and not give us more from the software side. And whether that is bringing even one pro app, even I'm not even being picky. I mean, I know logic people are like, come on, bring us log- logic. I'm, I'm, I'm team video editing. Like I've never jumped to Final Cut Pro. It'll be, if they put it on the iPad Pro, I think it would be what would make me really think hard in switching over or maybe I just do Final Cut Pro on an iPad Pro uh, as my mobile device. Or maybe Adobe Premiere's comes out on the iPad eventually and maybe even beats Apple. We'll see. But you can't give me that much power in a freaking iPad Pro and do nothing with it. And so that's why I'm really excited and hoping and crossing my fingers that we see something at WWDC specifically about this iPad. Uh, you're putting in 16 gigs of RAM. That is the max RAM that's available for an M1 machine today, which would be the MacBook Pro 13-inch, which would be the MacBook Air and the Mac Mini. So you're giving us, at least until the M2, the most power power available on any device in an iPad. You got to do something with that. You just have to. Okay, next up, Alex wants to talk. Uh, I'll just let him talk. Hey, Brian, this is Alex from San Jose. 
just wanted to say good job on the prediction around the accessories for the Mac not being released until a new hardware came out. Looks like we finally got Touch ID. I wish it was available for, you know, other Macs. It wasn't bundled with the, the iMac. Um, but that uh, that mouse still has the same lightning port under the bottom, which is kind of stupid. But, um, I mean, hey, cool. We have Touch ID on the keyboards now. Just want to point out, you were right. You weren't wrong, Tong. <laughs> that ain't wrong, Tong. Hey, feel free to say that if I am wrong, guys and gals, when you call in. Um, Alex, I do need to remind you something. They don't call me Nostra Tsangis for nothing. Why, yes, yes. Uh, that's a throwback. If you don't know what that is, that probably seemed completely random and unnecessary. I won't even explain it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it at that. But yeah, you know, uh, my gut sometimes serves me right. Uh, I was right on that one. Good job, Brian. Good job. Okay, next up we got TJ. Hey, Brian. TJ here from Mesa, Arizona. Just calling in or sending a voicemail in regarding the Apple TV 4K. HDR? Is that what it's called? The 4K 2.0 Apple TV? I wanted to point out that I have the third generation Apple TV. I ended up getting the HD and then I'll have the 4K. Um, Mostly got the 4K, not because I have a 4K TV, but for the Dolby Atmos sound. And that's the biggest thing, I think, for upgrading. So I want to talk about the Apple TV 3 there's no longer support for a lot of the apps on there um youtube is no longer playing for me and then even when i go into the movies section to play my movies in my library um a lot of them are saying please wait three hours just to play this movie so pretty much this apple tv the third generation is now pretty much a brick uh it's a paperweight it doesn't really work that well um even if i tried to do airplay it's about the same issue I mean, yeah, there is the um, Apple TV app now on there. That works well. But if I'm trying to play my movies in my library, not so much. Um, so this thing is pretty much a brick. I'm about to smash it with a hammer or run over with my car. Um, yeah, so my point is Apple TV third generation is pretty much a brick. I'm not sure if anyone else has had that issue too. Um, but the... The best bang for your bunk is just to get the Apple TV 4K. I honestly do not see the dif- difference. Yeah, so, you know, I think that you make a great point where once key fundamental apps stop working and are no longer supported, um, I think it is time to make the upgrade. And I, to be honest, in my, right, there's no reason why it shouldn't, even if, even if it's serving you YouTube videos at a maximum 1080p resolution, like YouTube should still work on an older Apple TV. So it makes sense for people who have a third generation or maybe even earlier to jump up to the upgrade. But everyone else that had any uh, any type of Apple TV, uh, 4th gen or 4K model, there's really no reason to, the only thing you should be really buying is the remote because I'm excited about that remote. I'm not gonna lie. Like I pre-ordered that. Uh, the two things, I never even talked about this yet. The two things that I pre-ordered from Apple was an, a new iPad Pro and the remote. I did not pre-order an iMac. I need to wait out the year. And it doesn't mean I'm even going to get an iMac because, look, it's not like I'm I'm rolling in it. But I'm really curious to see what a pro-level iMac in 2021 ends up looking like, 
and internally what it's going to be like. Like, I don't want to get too giddy, so I'm just going to let it happen, but I think it could be pretty damn exciting. And that's that's what Chris, who called earlier, is kind of waiting for. So you got it. So Apple TV 4K, unless you really have to upgrade, just get the remote or save money and get nothing at all and deal with a remote that I pick up upside down in the dark half the time. It's straight up like a coin flip. All right, last call coming to us from Troy. Hey, Brian, love your show. Been a longtime fan since back in the days when you worked with that other place that you seem to never mention. (laughs) Anyway, um, now that Apple has introduced the new remote for the new Apple TV, do you think they will redo the remote app that's available on iOS just to maybe update it, maybe give it the the uh, you know uh, a mute button and, and things like that. Anyways, will they update the Apple Remote app? Thanks, and it's uh, Troy. Uh, love your show. Keep up the great work. All right, Troy. You know I don't know if you like this, but I love when all of you call. We got so many different kinds of calls, and one thing I noticed listening off the top of my head, um, I feel like. The devices people are getting have been upgraded and the microphones are actually better. I feel like maybe some of you are using fancier mics, but in general, I thought the mic quality was pretty dang good. So uh, it kind of adds, it's so subtle, but it adds to the texture of the show. Okay, getting back to Troy, um, I don't think it's going to be their top priority, but because they completely changed the UI or sorry, the UX, the user experience of the remote, right? You kind of have them do that throwback to the iPod where it's the circular scroll wheel where I love that. You can scroll in a circle to jog through the video and that has the four-point navigation. It would make sense to update their remote app. Now, you know, they're juggling like so many things these days. I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, they update it, but it doesn't happen right away. But it would be a nice sign and it would be like, hey, we're going to throw you all a bone. It is software at WWDC to see an updated Apple remote app. So let's say, let's let's take a guess here. What are the chances that we'd see it there? Um, I'm gonna let you all think in your head, hmm, is it a coin toss or is it probably gonna happen or not gonna happen? The pot, hmm. I don't wanna dwell too long. I'm gonna say it's not gonna happen at WWDC. I don't know why I'm being a jerk like that. I hope it does. And maybe this is where someone can call and you can call back and say, you're wrong, Tong, because I'm not always right. Something I'm going to say my gut right now. I, it makes sense to do it, but they got too much stuff going on. So I'm going to say no right now. I'm going to say no, but it will happen. Um, let's say by the end of 2021. How about that? Let's let's lean on that. All right, everybody. Um, that was amazing. Thank you so much for calling in. This is why I love your calls because I think it adds a lot of flair and it's also kind of fun to bounce off of you all. So that's going to do it for this week's show. But before we wrap things up, we got to give big thanks to our Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple level. That's the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you all of you for your amazing support. Um, Just a couple notes. We talked about Patreon supporters. Um, I've been trying to find other ways to kind of reward you all for helping to support me so what i did recently and i haven't given them out yet since my family lives in cupertino there is the mothership company store or a visitor center there and they sell exclusive shirts that you can't find anywhere else 
but there. So last time I went and picked up three of them and I'm going to just kind of do a random giveaway. If I'm just going to hit up people on our Patreon and just say, Hey, what size do you wear? And if it meets that requirement, I'm going to mail them out a shirt. Um, and so I like to kind of do things like that. So if that's another way that maybe, okay, fine, fine, Brian, you got me because I might potentially get a random t-shirt from Apple campus. Well then that's cool too. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support that. But again, uh, Call in, be a part of the show. I love how when new products come out and new things happen around Apple, this is where I start feeling like the energy from the community in you all. And it makes sense because when there's like a three-month lull, we're just going to be talking about Ming-Chi Kuo all day. (laughs) Hopefully not. But, um, you know, it's really cool and I loved hearing from all you. So keep it up. AppleBitShow at gmail.com is how you can call and be a part of it. But until next time, that's going to be it. We'll be back here. Same bat time, same bat channel. And again, one other thing, if you remember, send me what question you might want to ask if you potentially had the chance to maybe talk to Apple about the iPad Pro before they come out, if that happens. Yeah. I hope you figured out what I'm talking about. (laughs) All right, everybody. Take care and be safe. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.